The Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association presents Top of the Stretch, a podcast that looks at harness racing in the Buckeye State. Today on Top of the Stretch, we'll be talking with a young man of 23 years of age who has been driving for the past eight seasons. Mitchell Cushing has won 780 races with earnings of $5 million. $349,901. This young driver has, was born in Flint, Michigan, and resides in Albion, Maine. He is now driving on a regular basis at Miami Valley. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Born in Flint, Michigan, how did you make it way to Maine to live? Oh, you know, as most things go in this business, it's uh, all family and travel of uh, my dad and things like that. He uh, he was, uh, both my parents are from Maine. They ended up in Michigan due to the business. And uh, when my parents split, my dad worked his way back towards the East Coast. As uh, time went on, they split when I was about three years old. And uh, when I got to the age of 15, just before I was 16, my uh, summer of my sophomore year, I made the decision to uh, live with my dad, talk that over with my mom and things like that. And at the time, that's where he was at. He still is there now. I think he's been there probably for, I want to say, just the last 10 years, maybe a little bit more. And that's how I made it out there. And now I made my way back this way. Your dad is one of the top drivers in Maine and also uh, in other parts of the United States as well. And so I guess the question to you is, as a youngster, we understand you're a fourth-generation horseman, but as a youngster, what was your first memory of harness racing? Uh, you know, I think probably something that the first things that come to me as an actual memory of just it in general, not just racing, would be when Dad was at the uh, our farm home in Michigan when he was uh, between traveling to Jersey and things like that, moving his barn back and forth, just training and jogging with him, sitting in his lap there at the farm, That'd probably be one of the first, very first memories of the business. Did you want to be a driver from the get-go, or did that just come a little later in your teenage years? No, that was definitely an aspiration from the beginning. He, uh, We always had a bike tied up somewhere, whether it was at the farm or somewhere where he was stabled or racing and such. Yeah, there was always a bike tied up, you know, with a whip or trying to collect somebody's whips, his whips, whoever's they may be. Uh, you know, lead chains tied to the shafts and such. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was always it was always. That. Did in high school and such uh, were you involved in any athletics? Yeah, we were. I was always uh, always played soccer from the age of, from like five years old or younger. Soccer was always there. Uh, that got very competitive uh, through my early teenage years and followed a little bit into high school. And football was, I think, third grade, and that was always competitive as well, too. But obviously didn't take up as much time because that was just a fall sport for me. So soccer soccer was all year long, and uh, I followed that really competitively. And then football, of course. Now, at the age of, well, I'm not sure, except 15 or 16, you started uh, driving, uh, per se, uh, that first year, 2014, 
You had 15 drives and four wins, and you won $9,167. Do you remember that very first win in harness racing? Yes, of course. You know, that's always something you won't ever forget. Uh, that was when I was 16. I was 16 and 17, and 18 were mainly uh, the age. My age there were mainly just fairs uh, back home in Maine. Yeah, that first win, though, it was with uh, my Uncle Mike's horse, uh, never, by the name of Never Die, and I believe at the Skowegan Fair, and I believe, I want to say it was the same horse my dad went his 2,500th win on, maybe 2,000, but I want to say 2,500th win. And, um, yeah, so in that, Skowegan was always considered my home fair because it was only 15, 20 minutes from the high school I went to, so that and the Windsor Fair. So um, if it wasn't horse people, a lot of my friends would go, would go to those fairs and uh, I would see them, so I consider that my home fair. Yeah, it was – Memorable was for sure, um, without a question. You know, Dad was there. Uncle Michael, it was Michael Mike's horse. Uh, Stephen, my cousin, owns it. Sherry was the trainer. You know, it's uh, it was a whole family thing, and for it to happen that way was was awesome, of course. Now, actually, though, I'm told that your very first win, though, occurred when you were 14 at a matinee in Cornish, Maine, I do believe. Driving for yeah, your actually, Yeah, actually, I was 12. I was 12. Uh, 12. Yeah, Cornish, Maine. It was a mat- yeah, uh, Trotter. I, I believe his name, uh, I can't recall now, it was Yankee something, I believe. It was a Trotter, yeah, for my, for my grandpa. I drove, I think, three horses that day, uh, one for my grandpa. Or actually, maybe two for my grandpa, one for my, gra- my dad. And, uh, yeah, it was a heck of a time. It was a little real small, tight sand fair track, and, they they do a good job. That's kind of we'd have kids from New Hampshire and things like that. It, it's got a pretty good history actually. Of you know even adults do it that don't have licenses and things like that. Um, they have like some they I forget what they call it. They have a race for um, the, some of the legal people there uh, in the state of Maine where they have like some representatives come out and do the side by side or and things like that. So yeah, they do a heck of a job. But yeah, I was 12 years old and uh, that's something I won't ever forget either. You've also, um, in your young and early career, uh, you raced at the Meadowlands for some time. Uh, did you? How'd that come about that you went down to the Meadowlands to race? Oh, uh, just uh, in the beginning, it was uh, just something you know everybody wants to just say they did and uh, be able to do. And I um, happened to go after one night after Plainridge for one of my uncles, my uncle, uh, somebody had picked off his horse. Uh, the horse was Lagambe. And I think he was just in like in a, I think it was the G-Note series. Uh, and come from, we were sitting, come from last, finished second. He raced huge. That's how I had first uh, gotten there. Uh, it was just, you know, something to say I did it. And then I actually ended up, you know, staying there and driving whatever horses he had brought there for the next month or two for a little bit before he shut them down for their break. And uh, I stayed there because Dad was, um, you know, stable at Mark Ford's there racing the Yonkers for the winter. So I'd go and I'd get a couple of drives, uh, you know, one or two a day, uh, just Fridays and Saturdays, and just use it as a learning process because, you know, a lot of great drivers are there and, you know, just being in the environment and things like that and trying to qualify for people. Uh, that's how I'd originally gotten there. And then every year I just kept going back and it turned in, you know, we got progressive. And it turned into something in the last two years, more or less just the last year, I actually used it, um, you know, as a business aspect 
for the first time and was doing double headers from Plain Ridge, which was like three hours away with uh, early post and would jump in the car, you know, maybe give up a race or two at Plain Ridge and hustle my way to Meadowlands and drive on a Friday and Saturday night. December the 19th, 2019, you were a winner with Luck and Roll K at the Meadowlands, and I think the time was something like 153-3. and Do you remember that win? Yes, yes. That was uh that was my first one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first one of the Meadowlands. Yeah, no, that was uh that was that was nice because it was kind of like I had, I didn't have like a bunch of starts, but I had been there. I had a sense of you know just learning and uh you know like I said using it as a learning process and things, and I had finally uh finally had got one you know that was classified and was ready to go and. I got him to the lead and just did my job, and I think it was like a 7500 claimer, and uh, finally, finally broke the ice on being able to say I win one at the Meadowlands. So yeah, that was that was a relief as much as an accomplishment, I would say. How did you make your way to Ohio? What uh, what was the decision process to come to the Buckeye State? Um, I you know it was actually a very very uh, ironic situation. I was just. Uh, in the middle of ordering a new race bike through Chad, uh, Chad Folk, him and his dad, and uh, you have their barn here, and they do quite a few. They focus kind of on the sire stakes, uh, and it was just a conversation. I was ordering a bike from him, and he was having to having to ask me what I was doing for the winter. And at the time, I was, uh, you know, I was going to go to Florida again. I did it last year, and you know, really enjoyed it and uh, had a good time. And he said, well, why don't you, if he goes, if you're going to do something like that and you're not going to try and sink your teeth in anywhere, he goes, why why, uh, why don't you try coming to Ohio and, you know, sinking your teeth in there? And I uh, I gave it some thought, and he, you know, he went about the details of what he could offer me or how he could help me and such. And I had a connection out here with Mike Hitchcock and Bill Hart, uh, his owner, one of his owners, but his main owner. I'd done a lot of business with both of them, and Bill, uh, Bill Hart's helped me a lot along the way as an owner. Um, with a couple of his other trainers are driving uh, very quality animals at Plainridge. And uh, that was the basis of it and the small details. And I had asked, you know, a couple a couple inputs from uh, some people I look up to on what their opinion was about, you know, me, I guess, uh, taking a, making a big decision. It wasn't maybe a big decision at the time because I, I, I didn't know if it was going to be a long-term thing or if I was going to use it as like a winter way to make connections and maybe – try it in the future of the following winter to stay but as obviously as time progressed throughout the winter or um i made the permanent decision and signed the lease uh last week or two weeks ago and when i asked uh, andrew harris was the person that i had spoke to about it because he's given me a lot of advice on some some things and he's always been really good to me at the meadowlands and uh and things like that driving horses for him at plain ridge he just said he goes i don't know why you're he goes i don't even know why you're thinking about it and i was just like kind of i was like what do you mean and he goes he goes, that's, that's the best place to be right now. You know, he goes, you're crazy to not do it, and you're crazy to not fully commit to it. And I, I basically right there, I was like, all right. I called Chad up, and I said, well, playing our gens on this day, I'll be there the following week, and let's get to work. And, and from there, and so far, the rest is history, and hopefully it stays that way because, like, like Andrew said, there's no other place I want to be, and, and this, is where I, this is where I plan on being and not leaving. Versus and everything here in the Buckeye State's on its rise to its number one position in the United States, so to speak. 
the driving collie at me at the Meadowlands is tough with some of the Grand Circuit drivers uh, competing there on a nightly basis. But the driving colony at Miami Valley is pretty tough as well. Is it still a learning process for Mitchell Cushing? Oh, for sure. I mean, like you said, the driving colony here is, is tough. There's a lot of guys here that have a lot of wins and have won big races and have been around a long time and, you know, done their fair share of success and, and all statistic attributes and, and being involved with certain, you know, horses and things like that. So, yeah, the driving colony here is, is tough, especially, uh, you know, with someone like Trace and other Indiana guys. Uh, now that they're open, obviously the situation, that changes a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, and the business itself is always a learning process. That never, ever changes. You know, if you're not learning, then you're not getting better. Um, you know, there's things to learn all the time from, you know, guys like Dan Noble and, and Paige and Sutton, just to name a few, and Tyler Smith. There's, you know, they all have a lot of wins. So, you know, if it's not something you're learning uh, necessarily in the aspect of, you know, how to drive better, it's how to drive, uh, it's how, it's, you're learning how they drive to, as a competitor to maybe make your job easier or to see things happening uh, before they do on the racetrack. So, yeah, besides the business always being a learning process, no matter who you're competing with, there's, there's always something to learn. As far as uh, getting drives at Miami Valley, it's on the increase where you're almost uh, there on a, every single racing program. Uh, are you getting new stables to, to drive for? Yes. Um, you know, uh, my, my client, I would say is, uh, Hitchcock is, you know, where my, where my backbone started and, and Chad, uh, he's not racing many yet, but he's going to, he's, uh, his are getting started to qualify here. And I've picked up quite a few for the, uh, Patty Brewer stable, which I'm very fortunate for. They do well and they're good people to drive for. And, you know, after that, it's, um, like it is any other, you know, the title catch driver, um, you know, uh, it's picking up and, it's picking up for, for a various uh, amount of people. And what's very nice, too, is to me, I'm picking up uh, quality work as well. It's not, um, you know, uh, from a various amount of people, but people that necessarily you look up to or you see on the stat sheets or in sire stake rates and things like that. So I think in the process, besides who I consider, like, would consider a client, I'm making good connections. And like you said, it's on the rise, and it's in a very positive way. Would you call yourself an aggressive driver? Uh, I'd like to say I'm a. Aggr- I, I, uh, I know I know when I need to be uh, what for what race and what horse. Uh, you know, not everything always works how you'd like it to. Of course, I mean that's just the nature of racing. But I, in the sense of a title, I'd probably put myself more um, more on the the patient side. And I think that just comes from my environment of um, where I've gotten started or necessarily planer just a very aggressive style off the car and i may i sunk my teeth in there by being the opposite and learn to you know maybe drive around uh too hot of fractions or or people making the making the wrong moves so that's maybe where my style had stemmed from but uh you know i can, I can do both uh no, if i need to do something and i think i need to do something or uh it just seems to lay out that way by someone looking that they're pulling the horse's face off the car and, you know, make a split-second decision, I can, I can do both. But at first approach, I'm, I'm probably looking to set up a trip unless I know for sure. Otherwise, a hor- the horse or the race is going to be completely opposite of that. 
you know, you've raced a lot on half-mile tracks, especially at the fairs and such up in Maine, and uh, mile track at the Meadowlands and five-eighths mile tracks here in Ohio. Do you have a preference to the size of the track that uh, you race on? Um, you know, not, not necessarily. Like you said, I've done a, I, I grew up on a half-mile track, so maybe to revert back to that, for that question a second ago is, you know, my, I do, you have to be aggressive on a half mile track. So I, I do know how to be aggressive, but I think as, um, you know, time's gone on and experiences, you know, maybe shaped habits or, or the way I visualize things, uh, a five eighths mile has always been best to me. Maybe that's just because of plane urge and things like that. But, uh, I've, I've done, uh, I've I think I've done my best on a five eighths mile track. Uh, maybe that's probably, like I said, just because of plane urge and, where the most money I've raced for in my career was at Plain Urge. But, you know, uh, I like anything. I like, I like being able, I like changing it up too. It's nice to, you know, maybe have a day uh, in your routine where you're on like a seven eighths or a half, you know, just stay on your toes and nothing gets uh, too stagnant. So, nah, but in the sense of preference, there's, a, there's no yes or no for me. With Ohio having as many county fairs as we have, can we expect to see a racing some stake races maybe at the fairs this year? Oh, of course. I mean, especially with the word stakes in there, if uh, that's my goal, I mean, that's the level I want to reach. I want to I want to chase the stake races and follow the stake horses and, you know, hopefully you catch a break. And if you don't have uh, an account necessarily in that aspect, you, you're lucky enough, you catch something that, uh, that ends up, you know, taking you a long ways and making it a good fair share of money. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll definitely, I'll follow if it's, I'll follow whatever I need to, to make money and win races and, you know, uh, do my job. So, um, I actually got a fair look in the mail and went peeking through it the other day. And, uh, there's some good money to be made there in the stake races. So most definitely, that's definitely something I'm looking to line up and put in my schedule. The, the um, summer racing schedule and getting more hectic with fairs and, racing at Scioto and such. Uh, do you have kind of a daytime job uh, to, at least at this part of the season? Yeah, when I got here, I, uh, you know, took it upon myself to be responsible and not uh, rest of my, uh, my loyals of what I've, uh, you know, put aside in the sense of life, uh, you know, being fortunate and making a living so and not dig into my savings or such. I uh, went. I did get an afternoon job uh, riding, helping out, getting a you know steady paycheck, and I think you know it was a smart decision, definitely for the first couple months, and you know I'm uh, still doing it now, but hopefully I can. Um, well, it's looking that I can you know make the decision otherwise if I want to when the time comes or when I, you know, get uh, get going and just make that decision. I think obviously that time will have to come with the fairs if I do get an offer or get something lined up where I'm chasing something in the afternoon. Uh, that's, that's something that will have to be, uh, changed. And, you know, I've, uh, worked really hard. I mean, I know, I know I'm young, but I worked hard to get to the point where I'm at. And I hope it's something that, you know, I can get back to what I consider my daily life of, uh, having a, having a, having the routine that I got, that I like. Uh, so hopefully so that's something I can change, uh, when Sciota, when Sciota starts up. In your young career as a harness driver, uh, is there one particular race in those 780 wins that stands out as a big race for you? Um, well, I'm always looking forward to the next one where I'm going to go next. 
uh, what I can win or what I want to win, like an Ohio Sire Stakes or something like that. Uh, so the next one's what I'm looking forward to the most. But, you know, something that stands out, obviously, you know, there's a couple. And I think one of them, besides the Gold Cup with my dad and, you know, that being a, a, a dream of my grandmother's, something that her and my grandfather that passed away always wanted to do or, or attend, they wanted to attend it in the worst way and never, never were able to. So for in the sense of a family and a family accomplishment or um, a memory, that, that definitely touches, touches deep. But I think in the sense for me, in one of the biggest memories, that I think it's a race that I didn't even win, uh, would be the TVG Mayor's free-for-all uh, with Kevin, Kevin Switzer had the mayor at the time. Uh, Apple Bottom jeans, we ended up selling for a good price to Dylan Davis and his connections who went on to do uh, good things. I was second to Chartin in that, in that race there, beat uh, a mayor by him, a pure country, and Caviar Alley and things like that. So in the sense of uh, where we all strive to be, I'd say like in the sense of competition and uh, maybe eyes watching, that one was a really that was one of my biggest accomplishments in specific races besides the Gold Cup. Now, you're a driver now. Well, will you reach a point in your career when you may even have your own stable of horses? Um, you know, that's always been in the back of my mind growing up. Uh, the way I did in the business, I was uh, extremely hands-on with my dad. He had very uh, strict protocols of what I was allowed to do or goals I had to achieve before I could have uh, certain um, accesses to his horses. Uh, for instance, like I always, until uh, planers got really well, I worked with my dad in the morning. I'd you know, get up, seven, be at the barn by between 7, 7.30, and put in a day's work before I left and drove three, three and a half hours in the car to Plainridge or shipped for him. Uh, before I could start driving his horses, I had to learn how to shoe horses. Um, am I the best at it? No, am I the fastest at it? No, but do I know how to do it? Do I know how to get a foot level? Yeah. Uh, so I had to learn how to shoe horses before I could drive for him. You know, rig a rig a, rig a baby up, rig a racehorse up. So I do being having those types of things instilled in me. Uh, I definitely, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind, or if I get to a point where I'm set up and you know I can mess around with a couple or whatever, maybe you know go to a sale and uh, buy a couple babies for myself, and then when racing starts. Uh, separate them out through trainers if it's too much. Uh, it's definitely nothing that uh, I wouldn't want to do. Am I looking to do it right now? No, not necessarily. But part of me always, I, I love the animal, so I wouldn't, uh, I definitely wouldn't shy away from it. You know, it looks like that your dad uh, was thinking ahead for you because it appears that what he wanted you to do is become an all-round horseman. Yeah, he always, like, I mean, I think the biggest thing for him was he wanted me, if I drove his horses or if his plan, you know, whatever his thought process on it was for, you know, if you have someone ask you a question about a horse, like what you think, or maybe if they need a little help with something, was for me to be able to give a proper educated answer and something that would help steer somebody in the right direction. You know, you can train, uh, you can train horses, but unless you put them in a bike or get in a race, race time scenarios, horses do different things, whether it's, you know, steering or, or mentally uh, competing or maybe with the way their feet travel and how they interfere with themselves, you know, like, you know, touching the knee or something like that. And I just think that was maybe, uh, maybe his intent was that, you know, have, have the best knowledge of the animal and be able to 
be as educated as possible. So if you needed to answer something or needed or someone needed help or just for your own your own good of you know maybe helping a horse uh, in in the sense of making it go forward or faster, uh, that was probably his intent for sure. Um, it was definitely for my benefit and nothing else. Thank you for listening to Top of the Stretch. Top of the Stretch podcasts are a presentation of the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. 